What is up, my beautifully broken friends? Welcome to another Beautifully Broken podcast. I hope you are all doing well. I am currently up in the mountains of Colorado with my family, enjoying some vacation time. Um, This year is a little different because uh, my oldest, Jake, is back in Florida doing his Disney, living his best Disney life ever which is so great for him. Um, But it's a little different this year. I I think parenting kids who are adults is so much harder. Oh my goodness. Then they do this crazy thing where they want to leave, (laughs) which I guess is really the purpose of what we want them to do, right? So it's just me being my crazy self. I would love to keep all my little chickadees home in the nest with me, but they must fly. So as I'm out here in the gorgeous Colorado mountains, um, some of the the things that we really love to do as a family is puzzles and of course eating. What's a vacation without your favorite foods? Um, But we love hiking. Well, I should say most of us love hiking and we just torture Brooke with it. But the rest of us really enjoy just being out in, in nature and hiking and just being in God's creation. It's just so awesome. And if we were really smart hikers, we may want to look at what type of hike we're going to do. I mean, that's not really us. We're more just go with it and try to survive it. But a lot of people will look up on their apps, like on their all trails apps and see what kind of a hike it is. Is it easy, medium, hard, whatever? You almost need like a a survival guide. If you're going to be a all out hiker, like a backpack hiker, which is not us, but it looks cool. But if you're going to do that, you you need to know how to survive. You need a survival guide booklet. And I'm finding that as a Christian widow, I <laughs> I was looking for a survival guide to my widowhood because being widowed is a journey. It's not a race, it's not a walk, it's a journey. And so I went to the source where all truth is found, which is scripture. And when I first became a widow, I kind of I kind of thought that I had an insider's guide to being one. I mean, after all, both my dad and one of my brothers lost their first spouses. They had given me a rundown of things that I might experience. You know, like the first time that you think you catch a glimpse of your spouse in the crowd when they're already gone or or when you think that you hear their voice or when you dream about them and then you wake up to realize they're gone. I mean, don't get me wrong, like all of their advice was welcomed and appreciated, but I learned that like we all do, grief and widowhood, it just looks different to everyone. There is somewhat of a widow's survival guide, though, in the Bible. And if you don't know, the Bible um, has an entire book 
dedicated to a couple of widows and their names are Naomi and Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, it tells their story. And Naomi and her husband had moved from Israel to a foreign country because there was a drought going on in Israel at the time. So Naomi and her husband and their two sons moved to this foreign country and the two sons married two girls from that foreign country. As life passed on, so did Naomi's husband. And then unfortunately, both of her sons also passed away. So as you can imagine, she was rightfully devastated. But here's the thing. Naomi had one thing on her side (laughs) and it was God. But looking around her and seeing that there was really nothing left for her in this foreign country, she decided to pack it up. She was going to move home back with her family and her people. And and she told those girls that were her daughter-in-laws, she said, just go home to your own family. You know, you're young. You can start over. Just go and be happy. I think that there was love between all of them because they all cried together, not wanting to leave each other. But only one daughter-in-law decided to stay with Naomi. And it was Ruth because she had experienced God's life change in her life. And I'm sure that Naomi and Ruth were grateful for the loyalty they felt for each other and the sheer grief that had shattered them both. I know um, when my mom talks with me about her grief, there's part of me that that just really feels understood. And while it's really sad that we're both in this grieving process together, there is something comforting about knowing that that person can understand where you're coming from. So Ruth tells Naomi, look, you're not getting rid of me. I'm going to leave this foreign country. I'm going to go back to your land with you because you're my family and your God is my God. And I'm sure that as they looked around their once happy home, now devoid of four family members, I bet their grief was heart-wrenching. For me, after Greg died, I know that I would walk around my home and I would cry just looking at all the pictures of him and remembering what amazing times we had and just sobbing over what was lost. So here are these two widows out in the middle of the desert and they say goodbye to their home and all the precious memories there and they begin their walk back to Israel. And the women uh, walked about a week to get back there And once they got there, (laughs) the people could hardly recognize Naomi. Like her grief had aged her or I don't know, maybe hardened her, but they knew that she had been through a lot of life. And this is like the worst thing, right? I mean, as a woman, nobody likes aging. Um, You certainly don't like anybody thinking that you've aged (laughs) or maybe it's just this day and age I don't know I don't I don't want people to think oh my gosh she's lived quite a life but Naomi probably didn't handle being treated like 
she looked like she'd been run over by a Mack truck very well. Um, in fact, her name, Naomi, means pleasant, but she didn't feel pleasant anymore. No, no, she didn't. What she felt was bitter. And she wanted everyone to know that she felt bitter, right? She looks bitter. She acts bitter. So she wanted to change her name to bitter. And this is why we should never be allowed to make big decisions during the first year of grief. Am I right? She says in Ruth 1, 20 through 21, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara or bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Okay, listen, I don't judge Naomi because there are times when I needed to be held back from my own bitter wrath. Like I remember one time going to the store with my oldest son <laughs> right after Greg's funeral and there were people out front trying to raise money for children's cancer. Children's cancer, you say. That's amazing. What a great cause that is. And it is, except if you're not in your right mind because you're grieved out of your brain. And Jake must have seen the look on my face because he politely guided um, or dragged, I don't remember, me to the car and put me inside and firmly shut the door. Because had I been able to make the full stop that I wanted to in front of her, she would have gotten my wrath and bitterness with both barrels firing at her. How dare she say something like that to me? She doesn't know me. She doesn't know the amount of money that was paid to a different disease that also needs a cure. The goal of her lecturing me on helping others when I spent the last two years of my life dedicated to helping someone else live, literally serving him in every capacity of life. <laughs> There's probably a moral to this story. Um, you know, just be aware that when you are doing something good and you feel like others should join you in your good cause and they don't, maybe there's a reason behind it. I don't know. It's Also, you may need to lock up your grieving mother when she's completely out of her mind and keep her caged until she can have a rational thought in her brain. So Naomi and her bitterness, they speak to me. I struggled with this for a long time and it can still creep into my heart. <laughs> I've said this before, but in my mind, I have lived Cinderella's life only backwards. Like I had the handsome prince, the adorable kids. I lived in my dream, quote unquote, castle. I mean, clearly I don't live in a castle, but I love my home. And God has blessed my life in so many areas. But now, when I get down the dumps, it can feel like I am stuck up in the dark attic with no prospects, living in obscurity. It's just me and my bitterness and my puppies who are always barking. I contend 
to long for what I had, continuously seeing what I'm missing now. Wow. I mean, yeah, I can struggle with bitterness. And after two years of living in my bitter grief, I had finally had enough. Everything in my life seemed to be spiraling out of control. I was done being bitter and I finally wanted to be better. I wanted my kids to be better. I wanted my job to be better. I wanted my life to be better. And this is where my counseling friend, Jen, was able to knock some much needed sense into me. She handed me my survival guide. And thank goodness for those type of friends who don't just give you a Bible verse and pat you on the back and say, God's got this, <laughs> which funny enough was my tagline for when Greg was dying because I know, I know, I know I wrote about how God has this all the time. <laughs> and of course, he does have this, but when you're so empty, sometimes you need something more than hang in there, God's got this. It wasn't lack of faith that drove me to this point in my life. I let the bitterness and resentment and anger and confusion and fear take root in my life, making me almost hopeless. Jen brought me to scripture, but it wasn't just, here's your token scripture. She gave me an application and homework to go along with my scripture. She said in Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says to Israel, but I, I think he means it to us today, that he knows what is happening in your life today. He knows. He knows. I know. He knows. Does that make sense? <laughs> God knows that I know that he knows where I'm at. And that I understand he does have this, but I'm frustrated, right? She reminded me that he has a plan, but what's more, he has a future. What a beautiful, beautiful word that is. God has a future for me and he has a future for you. And I said it then and I'll say it again. He has a future. So she sent me home, my friend Jen, with, with homework to do, to not forget the past, but to try to live in the present so that one day I could see a future. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is so hard. If you are a new widow, possibly you that what lies ahead can never seem as good as what was behind you. It's so hard. You know, sometimes the bitterness feels like a, a protective shield when wielding it right. And I packed up pictures of Greg, the ones that especially triggered those deep grief pains. And then I had to do something about the thing that caused me the most grief. For me... I had to get rid of the clothes in the closet. Oh my goodness, I would spend so much time in there hanging on to his clothes just to feel close to him again. I know this is going to sound weird, but just 
smelling his clothes to see if I could catch a, a whiff of him. And I, I know I'm not crazy about this. I mean, I am crazy, but I did recently just see a um, gal who had lost her son and she found an article of his clothing and she smelled it. So I was like, well, hey, I'm, I'm not that weird. Once that homework was done, the real work began. I woke up every morning praying that God would help me to focus on that day and thanking him for the new day. Trying to enjoy what my kids were doing and to make it a priority to make dinner, sit around the dinner table and eat it with them at night. I tried to consciously ask about what was going on in my friend's life and help to take the focus off of me. I purposefully went into the holidays just deciding to be happy, which is quite brilliant, I think, to enjoy focusing on the day with my kids and my family and not focus on the past, which I know would have put me into despair. All of these things, with God's help, made such a huge difference. Even if nobody else noticed, I noticed. There was a relief in living in the present. It felt like a weight had been lifted. Hope is such a wonderful, powerful force. Even though it's been four and a half years, it doesn't mean that I don't battle with my grief or the bitterness of what I perceived as having been lost in my life. Those are sometimes a daily surrender to God thing in my life. The future, while it's beautiful and it's so promising, uh, it, it still is unclear to me. But I have the hope of a future that God has promised me even living in my beautifully broken life. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to walk this journey alone. I've got God on my side and he's got me. Let me pray for you. God, I pray so much for my friends, whatever they're walking through. Lord, whether they're here listening because they're a widow and they just need guidance from you, or maybe they've lost something else in their life, maybe a child, maybe a job, maybe a dream. Maybe they've lost just the innocence of their life and knowing what they thought was life is not how it is. God, I pray that you would help them remember Jeremiah 29 11 and to know that you have a plan, you have a purpose, and you have a future for all of us. God, take our beautifully broken lives and make it something that glorifies you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.